Please join me as we read the scripture together today. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. And some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? This is the word of the Lord. Why isn't the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, helping people to be heard? Why aren't we the ones modeling what it means to listen? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been start, we started a sermon series last week called Blessed, and it's, it's over five missional strategies, five ways of blessing the world that God has been using since the beginning. So when he called Abraham and called him to himself and said, I'm going to bless you, you're going to bless your family, and you're going to be a blessing to the world around you. Abraham used it, David used it, all the way up to Jesus. Jesus used these principles, and we're teaching them here so that we can be intentional about blessing the world around us. This is what I know about Acts 2. This is what I've figured out about y'all. Y'all are great at blessing those around you. These missional practices are just going to tune us up, help us be more intentional about it. So we began. uh, Bless, it's an acronym. Bless, B, begin with prayer. It's not the best an acronym to start off with, but we had to get there. Begin with prayer. And then listen, eat, serve, and story. And today we're on listen. So we're, we're going to see what it means to really listen to those around us and bless them in the process. And we're going to do that because Jesus listened. Jesus listened to those around him. In Luke 18, we read a story about Jesus preaching and ministering in a crowd. And in the middle of that, this blind man calls out to him, uh, cries out for Jesus. And Jesus stops the whole show, stops the whole process, and calls him to him. And he does, the, he does an incredible thing. He, asked, he does this in verse 41 and 42. He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, and the man said, Lord, let me see again. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Why did he do that? He's Jesus. Doesn't he know? And even if he wasn't the son of God in flesh, come in human flesh, surely he was aware enough to see that the man couldn't see if he walked towards him and was stumbling or used a cane or or was being guided by someone, he could tell. Couldn't he have told? And yet, as a man precedes him, as a man comes towards him, he asks him a question, because this is what Dave Ferguson says from Christian Community Church. Jesus was a person who didn't assume he knew what people needed, so he asked questions. Jesus listened. He listened to hear what the needs were so that he could be a blessing. And that's what we want to offer today. Let's not assume we know what people need. But the first step, we pray. We ask God to use us to be a blessing, and we listen to others. We listen to what's going on. Michael Frost is an author uh, and, and missional strategist who, um, who tells of a story of a group of missionaries who go to India. And these, Indi- these missionaries are loaded. They're ready to go. They've got everything that they need to make this mission a success. And they show up to this remote village, and they start to tell them, We've got, um, we, we're here to help, we're here to bless, and we want to um, do whatever you need. So if you need a clinic, medical clinic, we want to do it. Or you need a school, we want to help you with it. Or how about a church? We're going we're gonna to build a church so that y'all can begin to follow Jesus. And as they were talking with them, what they, what they began to hear over and over again was, well, what we really need is a mailbox. And they're like, a mailbox? 
And I'm like, yeah, what we need is a mailbox. And they go, well, we can do that. We can put the mailbox on the medical clinic. We can put the mailbox on the school. We can put the mailbox at the church. And they're like, no, we, we need a mailbox. And as they asked questions, as they, as they dug a little deeper, they discovered that these people weren't even on the map when it came to the government. They wanted the mailbox, in particular, they wanted a zip code so that they would actually be, they would actually show up as existing because this community, it was a community of about 20,000 people. They were non-existent because the government couldn't locate them on a map. And the mailbox would allow them to receive government services. It allowed them to receive benefits that they didn't have because they, no one could find them. And so the missionaries reluctantly went after the mailbox. They're like, we're going to help you with the mailbox, and then we'll get to the clinic, and then we'll get to the school and the church. But after two years, when it was finally done, after they'd gone through all the red, miles of red tape and, and all the bureaucratic hurdles that it would take to actually establish this mailbox to identify, to help these people be identified as actually existing, they began to understand what it meant for them to have the mailbox first because they were finally located on the map. They, they might have assumed. Now, these missionaries might have assumed what they needed first, uh, but they listened. They listened, and they did what they, they, they went after the need that the people had, didn't assume, but went after what they needed and blessed them and blessed them. Are we listening to the world around us? Are we listening to those around us? The way I feel this is, a, the way that I'm talk, talking about showing y'all how this looked like, what, this, um, what it means to listen is by exploring Paul's story. But here's what we know. Listening to our family, neighbors, friends, and the world is one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody. When we listen, we show that we respect, we honor, we value them. But listening also lays a relational foundation for any words that we choose to speak later. They've got to know that you care before they, before they care what you know, Right? you got to know what you care before they care what you know. And this is what Paul does. He shows up, as you read here at the beginning of the, of the, of the sermon, he shows up in Athens. He's in a ministry timeout. He just got in trouble in Thessalonica. And so they, they, he's on the down low in Athens so that, until the, the, the heat blows over. But Paul does what he, Paul does, what he does. He begins to talk. He begins to move around the city, begins to talk with people. And it's here, um, it's here that he... Um, that we, we see how he, uh, how he was able to share the gospel, and it begins because he started listening. And the first place that he started listening is he started listening to people. It says in Acts 17, 17, So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace, every day with those who happened to be there. He began to have conversations with people. Now, argued, um, you could say he was in discord, he was reasoning with, but argued is not like argued that we might do on the way to church, or arguing may not be like what we see at, at some of the town halls, the recent town halls uh, over, the, over the spring break of the Senate and the Congress. Arguments aren't something that you, you see people um, having silent uh, arguments with hand gestures down the highway because they don't appreciate your driving. That's not the kind of arguments we're talking about. Ar- Paul was, was actually engaging, was leaning into having conversations with people to understand who they are, to understand what was going on so that he could also communicate what he knew about Jesus, what he knew about God. And he did it not just in the synagogues, which would be one place, or not just in church, but he did it in the marketplace. He did it out and about in Athens. 
He engaged anybody that would listen to him to the point where they called him a babbler. Uh, they, <laughs> he wasn't exactly being clear with his, I mean, clear enough with his method, method, methods, and yet he was still, still listening to people. Who are those people around you in your day? Are you listening to them? Are you listening to the clues that they give you? You know, when someone says, I was up all night, you know, I'm pretty tired, I'm up all night. Did you, did you ask a follow-up question? Well, what kept you up? And they says to him, like, well, my kid got sick, or we just found out that my father uh, has cancer, or something else like that. If you, people are dropping clues all the time, dropping clues all the time about what's going on, if we will just listen and take that next step with them. Paul, he listened to people. But Paul also listened to places. He says this in, uh, in the, continuing the story. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, to, and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. Uh, I, I love that the passage begins by saying that Paul was in deep distress. Another translation says Paul was provoked when he saw that the city was full of idols. But he took that prov- uh, provocation in a way that, that sent him out into the city to try to figure out who they were. And he looked at what it was about. He went to the schools. He went to the businesses. He went around. He saw the, the different idols. He didn't just get mad at them, but he, he began to try to understand them. He moved out in the community. Sometimes I think we, are get, we get so caught up in our bubbles or in what we know and what's safe. We, we're provoked about what's going on outside, but we're, are we provoked enough to really know and understand it, to allow architecture, to, lay the way, to, to allow the way the city's li- laid out, to look at what's going on in different places from where we are to actually see what's, take, to see what's happening and what we can do about it, what God is calling us to do about it. Paul moved out. Paul found himself, uh, found himself all through the city to the point where he even found this side in the backwaters part of the city, this altar to the unknown God and that provocation that he had when his spirit was saying, God, there's something here that I know that you want me to do. I know that these people need to know about you. When he sees that altar to the unknown God, because he was out and about, he now has a way of communicating, of of tying in and talking about Jesus. And it's because Paul was listening to places. What are the places that you go say? What are they communicating about the values about the hopes, about the dreams, or even the needs uh, of the people who live there. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? Or do we just, uh, do we just keep looking forward and try by because that's, that's not where we live? Paul listened to people. He listened to places. But Paul also listened to the culture of the day. He listened to the arts. It says here, he continues in his speech at the Areopagus, um, you know, um, now this unknown God that you know, I'm going to let tell you about it. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. For one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole world, and he allotted the times of their existence and their boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, he then begins to lay out the salvation message to the Athenians. Now here's what I love about this in this passage. 
this, uh, this first quote, in him we live and move and have our being. That's actually a quote from the Psalms, from the Hebrew, from the, the Hebrew scriptures. He's, 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 he's sharing that with them. Uh, he's, he's preaching, right? But what he does is he connects that with this other quote from one of the Athenian poets when he says, for we too are his offspring. He takes, he takes the story of God and begins to connect it with their art and their culture and their story. And this poet is, is really interesting. This isn't like one of their more famous poets. Um, it's like a B or a C poet. It's like, I mean, I, it's, it's, like a, like, it's like the Miley Cyrus of the day, right? right? You know, she's, she's good enough to be on The Voice until Alicia Keys jumps on there, right? Um, sort of, kind of, maybe well-known, but he, but he understands it. He listened to what the culture was saying because the artists of the day, the artists of our day, speak to the hopes and the needs and the desires of, our, of what we want for, or even our best, sometimes our darkest. But they're pointing to those things that, the, the pointing to those things that if we are listening, if we're paying attention, can help us understand what the gospel is saying to them. And that's what Paul is ultimately listening with. He's listening to the people. He's listening to the places. He's listening to the culture around him. But what he's really doing is listening for what the gospel has to say to the Athenians. He's listening to what their story is about. He listens to who they are, but in a way that can hopefully connect with the greatest story that has ever been told, which is God had did not leave us on our own, but God came down and died. He, he died and rose again so that we could be back with him, so that we could be brought home puts it all together in a way that helps him communicate to the Athenians, I know you. I know you, and maybe even I like you. Uh, so he says this when, he, when he's looking at what the gospel was saying to the people, um, what the gospel was saying to the, the Athenians. I think we, I, I see a couple of things from, that, uh, from his sermon there in Areopagus, is that they, were, um, that they were covering their bases. They were covering their bases when they, with this um, altar to the unknown God. Uh, a, a cosmopolitan city, a well-educated city, center of democracy in the, in the known world and the, of that time. And yet they had a city full of idols because they believed in them all? I don't think so. I think they were just afraid of leaving somebody out. They didn't want to make that unknown God kind of a catch-all category. They didn't want to make him or her or it or whatever it was mad. And keep them from keep them from living the life that they wanted that they, they thought they deserved. They were afraid. They were covering their bases. They also felt distant from God. Uh, Paul says in his statement, you know, that God is near, and so even though you may be groping for Him, uh, He is near. He's nearer than you think. And I think that was news to them because they felt distant in, in all that they had and all their success. They felt distant. But also, Paul understood that if he was going to communicate the gospel to them in a, in a, in a relevant way, um, he needed to tell them about something about themselves because they didn't know that they were children of God. They didn't know that they were related. They didn't know that he was even thinking about them. They didn't even know that this, this God was loving and had a plan for them. But that's what Paul does in this, in this uh, invitation to the Areopagus. He begins to lay out to them what the gospel meant. Because he began, because he understood their story well enough to connect it to the best story that's ever been told. One of my professors in seminary, Dr. Watman, uh, is a, a sociologist. Um, sociologists uh, spend a lot of time out in the field learning what they're learning, and uh, his 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 dissertation was over um, was working with a tribe in Papua New Guinea. 
that had never, um, had never seen a white person before, a Westerner at that, at that time, uh, but also had never heard about the gospel. And as Dr. Whiteman was getting to know them, uh, he was also trying to find a way to, be, to share the gospel with them um, if, uh, in, in a, in a, you know, if it came up. He was, he's always said, I'm a Christian sociologist. He goes, I know that doesn't always make sense, uh, but that's what I am. And so he spent 10 years with them. At times living with them for months and coming back to school. But ultimately, as his dissertation was wrapping up and he was there, his last stint, they were throwing a party for him the last week that he was there. And everything was going on. It was great food, uh, dancing, and all this other stuff that they were doing to celebrate Dr. Wattman and his wife. Um, the, one of the elders got up and told a story. A uh, story that Dr. Wattman had never heard before, how that there was a time when the island was dying. Uh, the fish weren't, they were running fish in the ocean to catch. The palm trees were coconut trees. The banana trees were, were dying. Uh, and and uh, the water wasn't, the water had turned poisonous and the tribe was in trouble. But one day, out of the sea came a pig. And this pig, seeing what was taking place, uh, knew that it had to give its life for the tribe. And so it sacrificed itself, its life for the tribe, so that the fish would come back, so that the plants would grow, so that the water would be clean again. And Dr. Whiteman says he's sitting at this banquet, everything's going on, and he just jumps up and goes, that's it, that's it, Jesus is the pig. Jesus is a pig. And it was at that point he actually got into conversations with them because he knew enough about them to be able to communicate their story, connect their story to what Jesus did. And he just said at that point, the, um, because of his listening, because of his time with them, the gospel began to take hold in this, in, this, in this people. He listened. Paul listened to people. He listened to places. He listened to the culture. He listened for how the gospel how the gospel could communicate the love, the hope, the restoration of our God to him. Uh, in the book we're using for the series, uh, Dave Ferguson continues, but he says, um, listen, we need to listen to the hurts and needs and the wounds of those God has placed in your life. We must listen for what they really need. We've got to listen for where the gospel can speak to their hearts. So what are we going to do it? How are we going to be like Paul? How can we listen in a way that brings blessing and hope to those around us? Well, first, we're going to begin again with prayer by asking God to use us to bless those around us and by asking him to help us really listen to those, not like Amy, who just wants the butter, but really listen to what they're saying. And if we, in prayer, just making us aware of those, of those opportunities. And the next, we need to listen outside and not outside here in this beautiful spring weather that we're having. I don't mean that, but I mean outside of our bubble in the church. We need to listen in our neighborhood associations, at the PTA meetings, and on the sports field with your kids or grandkids, um, in city council meetings, just in those places, listening for what the needs are with the idea of, uh, idea if we can hear what they are, maybe God is calling you, calling your small group, calling a, 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 a larger group in the church, or calling Acts 2 to actually meet that need. But we got to listen we got to listen for them, because in listening and hearing, that is an invitation for us to step in and be a blessing. And I want you to apply the one mouth, two ears principle. I want you to listen twice as much as you talk. Uh, listen more than you talk. Nikki has um, always told me uh, when I've gone to meetings or, or, or things that were, that were important in our life or important in the life of the, of the church or the uh, ministry I was serving, she said she would always tell me, Listen twice as much as you talk. 
Um, because when you do, uh, there are you you when you do, uh, and when I have, uh, I've 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 not missed what I was there for. Listen twice as much as you talk, and finally, not finally, second to last, be present. Really, be present. Turn off the phones. Turn off the TV. Look them in the eye. Uh, and, and that doesn't work in all cultures, but, but in, in our context, looking them in the eye lets people know that, that, you're, really, that you're really paying attention. Uh, Scott Peck, a psychologist, said, you know, there's, there's really, um, you really can't listen well and do anything else at the same time. Listening is a, is a, is a, is a singular activity if you're going to do it well. Be present. Practice that at home. But when you're out there and when someone walks in your office or you're, 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 um, you're driving a commute, give them the gift of really listening to them. And finally, I would just want to suggest that you just ask good questions. Ask questions about what you see going on. I've got a few suggestions for you here. What do you need? What are you excited about? What matters most to you? What challenges are you facing? How can I help? But like Jesus, we ask questions that, that, um, that don't assume, that don't, don't, um, don't force our agenda or force our desires on them, but allow them to express who and what they need. And the people need, and the world needs people who can listen. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a drought of, of, being, of people who really know how to listen. And shouldn't that be the church? Shouldn't that be us? You can give someone that gift today. You can be an agent of God in the world by really listening. Pope Francis says this about listening. People are looking for someone to listen to them, someone willing to grant them time to listen to their dramas and difficulties. This is what I call the apostolate of the ear, and it is important. It's very important. We are blessed to be a blessing and I just want to commission you as apostles of the year. You're sent out there to listen to the world today. And here's the thing. We're not even, I'm not asking you to fix them. I'm not asking you to fix the problems. But what we want you to do is go out and just listen and hear where their story can connect with the best story of all.